Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. And now, due to a lack of blood supply, the Irish Blood Transfusion Service have decided to offer a walk-in service this week in an attempt to boost supply. I'm joined now by Paul McKinney, Operations Director of the IBTS. Paul, can I start by asking you why blood supply levels are low at the moment? Is it the time of the year or are there other factors at play? Well, hi. Uh, good afternoon. Um, yeah, there are quite a few factors, actually. The, the main factor at the moment is that we are issuing more blood to the hospitals than we're collecting. Um, the hospitals are very busy. Um, so uh, even with the COVID figures going up and uh, unfortunately the hospital uh, uh, figures going up, we are still issuing in excess of 2,500 units a week to the hospitals, which is high. Um, but we're only collecting around 2,100. So for the last three weeks, uh, we have been uh, issuing more than we have been uh, collecting. Other reasons are there's an awful lot of donors uh, who are want to go on holiday and there's a huge uh, number of people travelling at the moment which reduces the uh, people who can attend our clinics uh, and also obviously the COVID, the rate of sickness is is on the increase and, um, and that's also uh, um, meaning people can't attend our clinics. Okay, so there's a lot going on. You're offering a walk-in service this week. Was the walk-in service curtailed because of the pandemic? Yes, it was. Um, uh, we uh, introduced uh, an appointment system um, just as the pandemic, pandemic was starting, really uh, to ensure that we complied with uh, public health and uh, social distancing uh, services. So the appointment system was introduced. It was very popular. Um, but at the moment, uh, our fill rates for the appointment uh, clinics are, are only around 65 to 75% uh, full. We have a no-show rate of around 12%. And then you have the normal deferral rates on clinic, which are around 6 to 8%. So you can see there's there's a lot of capacity being missed, and that's why we're having for this week uh, a walk-in, and in the hope that we, you know, that we can get full capacity, full number of donors, and get our blood supply uh, back to where it needs to be. Yeah, I think a walk-in service is attractive to people, isn't it? Can can first-time donors use the walk-in service? Uh, no, we we are asking uh, first-time donors, uh, please, uh, and we very much welcome first-time donors. Uh, but we ask them to uh, register their interest on our our blood, uh, sorry, our website, giveblood.ie, uh, and uh, and we will be in touch with them in due course. The the, the point of the walk-ins is is to try and get people in as quickly as we can. Uh, if you're a first-time donor, the process is a, a bit longer because of an extended interview. So. Um, we're asking for donors who receive texts from us this week to attend the clinics that we're asking them to attend. And as I said, anybody who is a first-time donor or is interested, please, uh, to register their interest. OK, so if anybody receives a text from you, that that's really, that's a serious ask. You're like, you need people to turn up. Can we I ask, really do, yeah. Yeah, can I ask you, just, just so people can plan their day, how long does it take to donate? Well, normally the process takes between one and two hours. It obviously depends on how busy the clinic is. Uh, we come in, uh, the donor registers. We ask them to fill in a health and lifestyle questionnaire. Um, if there's any questions, one of our staff will sit down and go through that. We then measure their hemoglobin. And as long as their uh, hemoglobin levels are within the parameters uh, that are, are required, uh, we then take them to the bed. That process of actually uh, bleeding, uh, the, the donor is, uh, takes between 10 and 15 minutes. And then we bring them uh, to our canteen uh, and we make them a cup of tea, a cup of coffee or a soft drink, uh, a snack. 
Um, just to keep an eye on That actually on, sounds on. very social and quite pleasant. Um, I'll tell you, it could be the most <laughs> relaxing hour you'll have, let me tell you, in this day and age. But, uh, so the process is to say between one and two hours. OK, now just to get the seriousness of the situation across, how will it affect emergency situations if you don't get the blood? I mean, what, you know, what are the things that might happen? Yeah, well, at the moment, because of this imbalance between supply and demand, uh, we are, uh, we've had to issue a pre-amber alert letter to the hospitals. Uh, and It's been in place since the 20th of June. And that's basically asking the hospitals only to place emergency orders or patient-specific requests for pretty much all our blood groups, so positive, O negative, A positive, A negative, and B negative. Now, that is a process that we do. We, we try and get the hospitals to reduce their blood uh, stock holding to three days while we try to increase ours and we've really struggled to be honest um, If and we do this to try an event going to an amber alert if we were to issue an amber alert letter that would have uh, potential uh, significant uh, and immediate implication for hospitals that, which could affect elective surgical procedures uh, requiring blood support um, so yeah it's, it's a pretty serious situation we find ourselves in we have uh, just Four days supply, we, we like to have seven. Four days supply across all the blood groups is not a good place to be uh, for us on a Monday morning. Okay, the, Okay. so the, this is this is an emergency situation. Anybody who receives a text, please, please go and visit the walk-in centre. Thank you so much, Paul McKinney of the Irish Blood Transfusion Service. You can find out more on giveblood.ie. And now, my next guest, Claire Woman Olive Foley, beat over 80 other competitors last weekend to take the most stylish lady title at the Dubai Duty Free competition at the Curra. And to quote Olive, she said, We prayed the rosary on our way up and we prayed for our families, our friends, and all of our ladies' intentions, but we didn't mention best dressed. Olive is the widow of late legendary Irish rugby player and Munster rugby manager Anthony Axel Foley and an ambassador with the Children's Grief Centre in Limerick. And she joins me now. You're very welcome, Olive. Thank you, Deirdre. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to me. Olive, you lost your husband, Anthony, in October 2016 when he was only 42 years old. An Irish rugby union player and head coach of Munster, presumably a fit young man, a father of two. Your children were only eight and 11 at the time. This is a huge question and I hope it doesn't sound ridiculous to ask, but I can't think of another way of putting it. But how did you cope at that time? Um. Deirdre, uh, sure, it was such a shock. Um, Anthony, you're right, he was fit and he- probably healthiest man I knew, um, but died very suddenly in his sleep, an undetected heart issue. Um, at the time, Deirdre, we were propped up by, I mean, we live in a little place called Killaloo in East Clare, and, you know, we were propped up by the whole community and, you know, the, we had two, two uh, Anthony's family of my family, we have Munster Rugby. We had we were just minded and protected, and and supported by all of them. There's to this day. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I haven't experienced what you've experienced, but I've certainly faced challenges um, in this area. I just don't know what we'd all do if we didn't have close family and community connections. Mm. Is is that really what's helped you to cope over the years? Since? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It is the difference. Now, of course, the most uh, a really important um, charity is the Children's Grief Centre. So, I mean, which you you're an ambassador for this charity? Yeah, and I, I, I'd never even heard of them uh, before Anthony died. 
um, it's not a charity you really want. <laughs> you, no, it, it isn't. But it sounds to me like it's a incredible. much needed charity. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's a it's a service that every child is entitled to. A child that has lost a parent or a brother or a sister through bereavement or through parental separation that they've suffered grief, uh, maybe because their parents have divorced or separated. Um, every child is entitled to be supported. So the centre provides support. It's a lovely listening service. It's confidential, um, a beautiful, beautiful charity that's so close to my heart now, Deirdre. So when Sister Helen asked me would I come and work with her, I was so happy. I jumped at the chance to be able to give something back was lovely. Absolutely. I mean, when you see it firsthand, and I, and I often think when kids are grieving, it's not necessarily obvious straight away. Sometimes their grief doesn't hit them for years. But yeah. they, they can be talked through that early on as a, you know, this might happen, this mm-hmm. could come down the road. I presume this service helps them to sort of walk that line. Oh, absolutely. And it's a it's a beautiful. It's just it's just they are listened to. It's not a counselling or therapy. The children are just listened to. They go into this beautiful environment where they just talk about how they feel. And, you know, children need that environment. I know personally that my kids were uh, very much uh, don't don't make mom cry. We better not talk about dad because mom will cry. Or, oh, um, yeah. So they do. They they try to protect, you know, at all costs. So they so a lot of children just needs um, uh, they just need that support from outside their immediate family and their friends. And, uh, and that's what the grief centre has offered them. It's a wonderful service. Um, tell me about your involvement, your own involvement with the charity. So Sister Helen asked me, would I would I like to get involved? So um, I my role, uh, I'm the ambassador for the charity. So like even having this conversation with you today, just to highlight the children do grieve, that there is a service there. Um, now, of course, um, the, the charity itself is is volunteer led. Sister Helen Collan set up the charity about 15 years ago. So with the support of her congregation, the Sisters of Mercy. So it's volunteer led. We are not, uh, you know, it's not it's not government funded. So we do rely on uh, a lot. We have to do a lot of fundraising and looking for always looking for donors and people to just help us out um, with the day to day of of getting the charity, um, getting paying the bills. But we also if, if, as um, you're as you're mentioning that, Olive, if people do want to give money to the charity, do you want to mention where they can if they want to donate? Uh, Absolutely. Um, we ha- uh, the Children's Grief Centre. They have a website, and and there's a and there's a donate button on that. That would be great. But absolutely, ring the centre. And you know, if anybody wants to come and sh- we'll show you around, we've a beautiful new building that we're going to be moving into in um, in in December. So we're constantly needing uh, donors to come on board. And and uh, so if anybody's interested, we'd love to show them around. Okay, I'd say lots mm. of people will be interested. Is yeah. this the only grief centre in the country for children? It is, but it is. And it's such a pity. I think every small town in Ireland should have a lovely children's oh. grief centre. Absolutely. I'm always taken aback by how many children mm. I come across who have grief in their lives. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they need guidance. It's very surprising to me that this is the first. Mm. I mean, God bless this woman, Sister Helen, for setting it yeah. up. Um, yeah. Mm. What advice do you have for other families who are going through a bereavement? 
parents of children and teenagers, I suppose. Oh, gosh, what advice. That's a, that's um, a big question. You know what? The, I, um, you know, there, there's nothing worse than where you are right now. It gets easier. It gets easier. That even yeah. even that yeah. is going to be, you know, that mm. is going to be music to somebody's yeah. ears. Time, yeah, because I mean, it's six years and it's six years this October since Anthony died, and I would honestly put my hand to my heart and say that myself and the children are happy. You know, we're very happy. We have a lovely life, and we're rich and you know an enriched life, and um, so we are happy. John, we miss him every day, but you know, you live with us. You know, the grief stays the same, but your life grows around us. Yeah, that's a, that's a very nice way of putting it. You say that you know he watches over you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, he would have thought the whole thing was bonkers <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, hundred percent. I would. I would be very confident that Anthony's watching over and guiding us at every opportunity. Yeah. It sounds to me like you have a very healthy and strong spiritual side to you, which is obviously uh, helped yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've all I come from a very traditional Catholic family, but my own faith has grown deeper over the years, and it's something that's an everyday part of my life. And you know, from morning to night, and and I'm very blessed, and I I love it, and it really helps me and the children. Um. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate that. Um. I know certainly when I was uh, challenged with my own husband being sick, I remember thinking, we, we're we not built for this. To, we're not built to go al- go it alone. No, no, so no. So even if I it's think, not uh, a... Faith gives us durability, doesn't it? Well, I think so. And and mm. not even necessarily if a traditional format of faith. You know, my own Catholicism would be sadly lacking, but I would have a very strong spiritual side. I would certainly believe in, you know, energy, positive energy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, we have all eternity after after this hop, skip and a jump through life. So I'm I'm preparing. <laughs> I think you're fantastic. And I, I think this is a brilliant thing to be a part of and badly needed. Before I let you go on a lighter note, please tell me about the fabulous prize that you won for being oh. most stylish woman. <laughs> that was a real shock. I was not expecting that at all. Myself and my uh, friend Joanne, um, we were friends for, for years. We went up, Joanne owns Joanne's shop in Killaloo. So I pulled a dress out of the back of the wardrobe. I had been there for for a couple of years before pre-COVID. Are you serious? Well, that's even yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had bought the dress in Catherine McCormack's in Adair. And uh, so I went over. Joanne uh, has a beautiful shop here in Killaloo. And she's a hat. Uh, she she makes and she supplies um, hats. Um, a, a beautiful clothes shop. But hats, uh, plenty of hats to choose from. So I chose the big pink hat and off we went <laughs> and and tell us about the prize did you win something oh my fabulous? God, yeah the prize yeah um flights to dubai for two so myself and joanne are going uh flights to dubai and five nights accommodation in a, in a beautiful hotel and um also two nights in the k club with uh with all the extras thrown in so it's very exciting uh, listen well well deserved well <laughs> deserved you. it's called good <laughs> karma uh, thank you so much for talking to me such a pleasure um thank, thank you, you olive now coming up on the show how the shoelace changed the world Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.